Welcome to the Literate Caveman Podcast. This podcast offers reviews of excellent books that you may not be familiar with, as well as addressing the concept of mindset in general. I'm your host, Chad Blake, and today we are going to continue our review of The Logic of Failure by Dietrich Dorner. In our last episode, we reviewed Dorner's concept of what he calls repair service behavior and the corresponding goal degeneration that we are prone to when we allow an implicit goal to overcome our primary goals. Today, we're going to discuss what he calls goal inversion and conceptual integration, which is more commonly known as doublespeak. And finally, we'll take a look at how people use conspiracy theories to pass blame away from themselves. Dorner begins this section with an interesting statement. He says, In complex situations, it is almost always essential to avoid focusing on just one element and pursuing only one goal and instead to pursue several goals at once. In a system complicated by interrelationships, however, partial goals often stand in contradictory relation to one another. The example he uses is of a suburban town where the residents complain of poor living conditions. In this example, he tells us there are two issues that prove to be conflicting. One is that transportation to the downtown area is not convenient. The other is that shopping opportunities close to the community are inadequate. These are conflicting goals because if access to the downtown area is improved, people will be more likely to go there to shop, driving business away from the existing suburban businesses. However, if nothing is done about the downtown access, some residents will have no choice but to shop closer to home, and this in turn may cause more retail businesses to develop property closer to the suburban area. Quoting from the text, Dorner tells us, Contradictory goals are the rule, not the exception, in complex situations. End quote. To support this, Dorner brings up the conflict between cost and benefit. Generally, things that provide great benefit are expensive. This is a little bit of a segue, but I think it is worth discussing the difference between spending resources versus investing resources. I'll use my own career as a strength and conditioning coach as an example. People hire coaches or personal trainers for a variety of reasons and goals. This should be an investment, not just an expense. There are levels to this. On the obvious level, Anyone who begins a fitness program of any kind is investing in their health. When a professional athlete hires a coach, they are investing in their career. Professional athletes who came to the facility that I helped open in 2007 extended their careers and, on average, earned more money than they had been earning before. Even if they did not sign larger contracts, by extending their careers, they earned more income by default. That is the obvious level. The less obvious level is what happens after the working relationship between a coach and a client dissolves. In my view, if it was a good investment, once the client moves on, they will have learned exercise and nutrition skills they can continue to apply to their lives, even if their fitness goals have changed, such as when an athlete concludes their professional career. If it was a poor investment, the client may have no idea how to exercise or how to eat properly for the next phase of their life. When we invest resources in something, we do so in the hope of a return. It may not be a financial return, in the example of investing in our health, although 
There are plenty of arguments for that. But some return is expected. Otherwise, we are just spending resources, not investing them. In the case of fitness, we are not just talking about investing financial resources, we are also talking about time invested. Returning to the text, Dorner points out that, in general, businesses wish to minimize costs and maximize benefits. This conflict is not so dangerous because it is one people are generally aware of. I also feel this is not a great example because there are a lot of examples of businesses improving their bottom line by finding ways to keep expenses down. I do not accept that those two goals are always a conflict. I won't go off in the weeds on that one today. I do understand why he would use that example. What is dangerous, according to Dorner, is when partial goals are at conflict and we do not see it. For this, he brings us to a discussion of the French Revolution that spanned from 1789 to 1799. The partial goals he is comparing in this case is on one hand the goal of liberty, and on the other hand the goal of equality. In this discussion, he reminds the reader that one of the things that makes reconciling conflicting goals difficult is when one of the goals is implicit, and thus we are unaware of it. And he basically goes into some detail about how he feels liberty and equality are conflicting goals because the more liberty people have, by nature that can create inequality. As an example, someone who's very intelligent will probably see opportunities less intelligent people do not see, and that'll create some disparities. Conversely, if you focus a lot on equality and try to make everyone equal, by definition, that is going to lower the liberty of some people. He diverts from his comparisons of the French Revolution to review the events that led to unemployment among psychologists in Germany. He tells us this started in the late 1960s, when students at the University of Kiel demanded that more slots for psychology majors become available. Whether or not there were enough jobs for more graduates was not considered an issue. He tells us the issue was raised, but essentially not deemed important and shouted down. Ten years later, unemployment among psychologists was at an all-time high. Quoting from the text, he says, Unrecognized contradictory relations between partial goals led to actions that in inevitably replace one problem with another. By solving problem X, we create problem Y. And if the interval between the solutions is long enough that we can forget that the solution of the first problem created the second one, someone is sure to come up with an old solution for whatever the currently pressing problem is and will not realize that the old solution will create problem X again and start the cycle over. This reminds me of one of my favorite Thomas Sal quotes. There are no solutions, there are only trade-offs. Dorner warns this vicious cycle can also happen when current issues are so urgent that people are desperate for a solution. People will even accept a solution knowing it might cause another issue. He gives the example of someone with a headache taking medication that may cause a stomachache, and then taking medication for the stomachache only to get another headache. This leads to what Dorner calls goal inversion. To explain this, he recounts a couple of examples of his Taniland experiment, one in which a participant declared the food shortages 
caused by his strategies were a necessary step towards the greater good. Another participant took this a step further, stating that the famine caused by his policies, and keep in mind these were simulations, not actual events, although you do not have to look hard to find parallels to real life. As I was saying, the participant claimed that the famine caused by his policies was a benefit, because the ones dying from famine were primarily old and weak. In both cases, Dorna feels the correct assessment would have been to recognize that the policies had led to a disaster. And this brings us to doublespeak, or what Dorner calls conceptual integration. The example he provides for this is one of his test participants who, after declaring he would not strengthen the military of his simulated government, realized he had a foreign policy problem and an unemployment problem. His solution was to introduce what he called voluntary conscription. Voluntary obviously means of free will meaning not compulsory. Looking at Merriam-Webster real quick, we see that compulsory is defined as mandatory enforced. Conscription is defined as compulsory enrollment of persons, especially for military service. So the test participant put the words voluntary and conscription together without realizing the conflict. Dorner points out that these verbal integrations of incompatibles can, over time, produce changes in words. Quoting from the text, In this way, terms like voluntary can be completely stripped of their meanings and even made to mean their exact opposites. George Orwell vividly illustrated, George Orwell vividly illustrated this process with his new speak in 1984. If you have not read 1984, that quote may not make as much sense. The point is, we need to be cautious not only about how we use words, we need to be critical of the way words are applied by others. When someone is using a word incorrectly, we need to ask why, and if the point seems to be changing the meaning of a word, we need to call it out and not just accept it. Sometimes, like in the example Dorner provides, the speaker may not even realize what they are doing, but history tells us that sometimes a speaker is intentionally misusing language to misdirect their audience. After this section, Donor has some interesting commentary about conspiracy theories. Essentially, he tells us some people have a tendency, when they run into frustrations, to blame a conspiracy in one form or another, even if they do not use the term conspiracy theory. They might blame people they are working with, focusing on a detail that seems to account for the poor results, or in the case of his simulations, he tells us several participants who did poorly blame the simulation or the programmers, claiming the entire project was rigged to fail from the outset. An interesting quote from the text. Self-protection, the need to preserve a sense of our own competence, plays a key role here. It is difficult for us to admit to ourselves that, despite the best of intentions, we have failed. End quote. When failure is the result, he goes on to say that the way some people deal with this is to reject that conclusion and the guilt feelings that accompany it, and so we invent conspiracy theories, end quote. Dorner wraps up this chapter of the book with a quick review. He reminds the reader that, number one, goals must be specific. Number two, when goals are not made specific, repair service behavior is almost guaranteed. 
Number three, also if goals are not made specific, there can be a tendency to select projects based on their obvious nature or their ease rather than their importance. Number four, overlooking implicit contradictions will not work out long term. Number five, goal inversion makes unintended bad results appear to be good results. In other words, the example of starving residents is good for the population structure, as in the Tanneland experiment. Number six, conceptual integration, more commonly known as doublespeak, such as the voluntary conscription example. This is used to erase the difference between incompatible elements. And finally, number seven, conspiracy theories place the blame on others, or circumstances. This concludes today's episode of The Literate Caveman. In our next episode, we will continue to explore the subjects of reality models, go into a deeper discussion of what a system is, and look at some of the key differences between positive feedback and negative feedback within a system. Thank you for listening. Go read a book.